Welcome to the Buzzed in Baltimore podcast. I am your host, Jess Mayhew. I cover nightlife and spirits for Baltimore Magazine, and this podcast is an extension of that coverage. We talk about bars, drinks, and the people that bring them to you. So welcome to the, this is the Buzzed in Baltimore podcast. This is the eighth episode, um, and I we are here at the Baltimore Whiskey Company, and we are a little hungover from Halloween. Um, I know we all had some some parties to go to last night, so I want to thank um, the owners for, for doing this on a, on a Sunday. You're welcome. <laughs> We're in decent shape, I'd say. So I'm here with Max, Eli, and Ian, who are the three co-owners of Baltimore Whiskey Company, which if you don't know, is in a building that you probably drive by all the time on 28th and Sisson. Um, but I saw you guys have a brand new sign. Out there? Yeah, our friend John Mara, who's a local artist who does awesome stuff. Not, uh, yeah, not all art. He also just picks up trash everywhere. Yeah, um, so almost, good almost famous yeah. for picking up trash. Uh, he's a great guy, but he painted our sign for us. Um, so now you can see it from the road, which is we, really our nice. motto used to be uh, easy to get to, hard to find, <laughs> and now we're just not that hard to find. <laughs> easy. It's just yeah. easy to get to. But you're in like a nice central location, like Hamden. That one, which was important to us. We wanted to be a your friendly neighborhood distillery. So nice, nice. So if each of you could kind of go around and uh, kind of say how you came into the craft spirits world, how you sort of got into it in the first place. Um, Max, do you want to start? Sure. Um, speaking just personally, uh, and and this is going to ring true for all of us. I think all of us have the entrepreneurial bug. We always wanted to give back to Baltimore. Uh, in terms of creating the scene, uh, the only reason I live in Baltimore is because I love it. Uh, I could have gone anywhere post-college and for, for many, many years before that, there's nothing really tying me here except for, for me wanting to be here. Um, so I always wanted to be part of that creation that, that kind of I consumed so much of. Um, and we all worked on independent projects in terms of things that we wanted to start here. It's such a supportive city for um for young entrepreneurs and, and kind of low budget entrepreneurs and kind of, it just seems like more is possible here in the city will kind of hold up people who, who have big ideas yeah. uh, in a way that other cities um, maybe, just maybe don't have the community for. Yeah. Right. It's not that the, the city itself doesn't do it, but like the community here is just so, so kind of vibrant and passionate about holding up people that want to do that stuff that, uh, that this is where I wanted to do it. Um, and then it was the right idea with the right partners. And we're, we're really, really complimentary. Uh, we all have our unique set of skills. Um, and I, I couldn't have done it without Ian, and I couldn't have done it without Eli. Um, and then hopefully I'm part of that equation. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I was going to say, too. So what about, what about you, Eli? How did you kind of come into this? You were a, a brewer, right? Yeah, so I was... Um, you know, I started off home brewing out of college. I also, in terms of being in Baltimore, uh, I was one of the founders of the Baltimore Rock Opera Society. So I just had that kind of artistic, uh, you know, tie to the city and was really excited about being able to do almost anything. I mean, if you can do something like the Baltimore Rock Opera Society, you can pretty much do anything yeah. uh, in, in Baltimore. So um, just was here and I started home brewing with Max and a couple other people. Uh, I got a job in a homebrew shop, and then eventually I got a job as a brewer out in Reno for a year at the Great Basin Brewing Company. In Reno. In Reno, That's yeah. I had a tie to a, a family friend actually, and so they were opening up a new, uh, a new like brewery, and so I just went and joined them for a year, got some brewing experience, and then had to come back to, this, to Baltimore just because I couldn't stay away. Uh, so yeah. I came back, and then I heard that the Peabody Heights Brewery was opening up. So I basically knocked on the door until they gave me a job hmm. and then was there for three and a half years until uh, this got going. Nice. And then, you know, and I'd been a part of just kind of helping. I had the kind of knowledge of, of what it takes to get a business like this open a little bit, especially the mechanical side of it. Not so much the actual like permitting and all that kind of stuff, but just kind of what it takes to run an operation like this. And right. So, the production of it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. And Ian, how did you fit into the equation? It's tough to say anything that these guys didn't already say that's pretty well, but um, yeah, you know, kind of like the, the, I was thinking that we had a million ideas of why, why we should do this and how we could be, be good at this right? and uh, how it would really serve the city really well. And as all those ideas kind of came and put themselves on top over time, it's kind of like all the, you know, the flakes in a cereal box, all the, all like the, the little crumblies get to the bottom and all the good ones have stayed on top. And so we, we just want to, we want to make really great stuff. Uh, have a great name for uh, for craft distilling in Baltimore and, and use that to get Baltimore's name out elsewhere Nationally, as well. Nationally, yeah. yeah totally. So why a distillery? Why not a brewery with your yeah. background? Or, you know, why did you guys decide to do the, the hard stuff? Um, 
Eli's worked on a brewery idea for yeah, a long like, time. That, that wasn't kind of out of incredibly out of the box, but it's also not out of the box for, for 50 other people in the city. Um, when we first started working on this idea, which was over three years ago now, the what has become the craft distilling idea was not really a thing yet in Maryland. You know, like, uh, I think Lion was already up, Black but Water. like, and Blackwater was up, but like, uh, the... Uh, the kind of common knowledge that distilling could happen on a local scale was really not very widespread yet. Yeah. Uh, and I think it was uh, originally Ian, Ian threw the idea out there uh, to me nice. that this was the thing, hey, let's, <laughs> let's look at this. We were living together and, and you know, I've known Ian for 20 years. Um, and uh, the more we looked at it, the more it just became a really clear picture of how we could fit in the culture and that it was kind of a, a blank spot and we loved it. And, the, uh, you know, now I think if somebody opened a craft distillery now, if somebody came up with the idea, they'd be, they'd be like, you know, let's join this scene. We see opportunity, blah, blah, blah. That's not really where we came into it. We came into it as, um, let's open a distillery, not a craft distillery. There wasn't like the craft scene. We want to be, um, kind of a little bit more ubiquitous than that. We're not, we're not only local we're export quality spirits, which we, I think we all feel passionate that what we're doing is, uh, on a quality basis, not just. Uh, good for consumption locally, but good for consumption globally, and we want to kind of spread that kind of quality Baltimore uh, hand handmade thing that that makes Baltimore Rock Opera Society good, that makes uh, Fells Point awesome, that makes you know all the different neighborhoods right. kind of have their own personalities. Like this is the thing we want to pass on. And when we got into it, it was really more about uh, wow, look at this opportunity to wow. to. Wow. wow. Hey, wow. <laughs> you guys want to hear my own awesome? Wow. Uh, That's pretty good. <laughs> uh, to kind of bring the, bring that to the world, and like we, we thought, like we have an opportunity to, to show the world something about Baltimore, uh, and this is somebody that something that nobody's yeah. doing yet. And now there's a bunch of people doing it, and we feel awesome that everybody's doing it. Yeah. But you um, came at a time where there was. Yeah, and it's, and it's not that yeah. brewing was necessarily like a saturated market, but there definitely were more, and so kind of right. the opportunity to do something different. Uh, is always feeling right to be to be the kind of the road right, less yeah. traveled. Yeah, exactly. Break yeah. some new ground a little bit, and we felt like we had those skills to to make it happen. So. And how did the name come about? Why was the name chosen? Why was it important? <laughs> There's well, a story about the name. Okay. So uh, both of them were Obviously, it's really transparent. Nobody is questioning what we're doing, even though we have no whiskey. And that's yes. the one thing. day <laughs> the uh, the whiskey will be uh will be out there, and <laughs> everything will make sense. Uh, but uh, the Baltimore Water Company was the first water municipality in the United States okay. uh, ever. So as we we're researching Baltimore history, and if you guys know our products out there uh, in our radio listener land, uh, you will notice that everything is pretty pretty Baltimore centric. Um, so when we were researching the name, we wanted something that, that talked about where we we're from, uh, and we came across the Baltimore Water Company. Um, Which was the first one in the country? You said? Yeah, That's first water municipality. There's a lot of weird US. Baltimore firsts. Mm -hmm. It's kind, of, it's kind of strange. Well, it's an old city. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. and when it comes to the to the the United States of America, it is uh, one of the oldest. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah sure. absolutely. Uh, so we took that and we we went with Baltimore Whiskey Company uh, as a specific nod to Baltimore Water Company. Do you find that people are confused when they come in and want to try whiskey? Is that a, mm -hmm. a, an issue? A little bit. I mean, I think that we have a the, we have a good reason for not having whiskey, so right. I think that that works really well because you know we're we're making our whiskey here and we're aging it here. So we when we tell people that that we think it's worth you know worth the wait to have something that we made specifically ourselves, I think it kind of explains itself away. And we also have other great products people yeah. try. But people are, do ask like whiskey, huh? huh? <laughs> Speaking of, do we want to pour maybe the first yeah. spirit that you guys have talked about, and you, you can talk a little bit about? Egon, you want to start with Shot Tower, <laughs> right? So Shot Tower Gin might is probably the spirit people are most familiar with from you guys. Would you say um, yes. it's it's any good bar you go to will will have it behind the bar. I would say we hope so these days. Yeah, it's great in cocktails. Um, I don't know. I've had it on its own. It makes a really good gin and tonic, and it's not super juniper heavy, which I really like. Um, but you guys are the experts, so you want to talk about who wants the inspiration the, who wants to do the official tasting notes. Yeah, you want to, uh, and, and, why, and why gin, to too? Like, <laughs> gin. I want to skip it. Cheers, for sure. Thanks. All right, so uh, our gin, we went with gin because it's a product we could get out there really quickly, but it's also not like vodka, which is, you know, the idea of vodka, generally speaking, is to be as neutral as possible, which is not very exciting or interesting or no. how you're going to be unique when you do that. So uh, we went with gin because it's an option that you, where you have a lot of creativity still. Uh, so there's 
you have to have juniper, but other than that, you know, you can pretty much do whatever you want to do. Yeah. Uh, we wanted to definitely make something that wasn't your kind of standard London dry gin. Right. Um, but we also didn't want to stray too far into the world of crazy botanicals and everything. So we were kind of trying to toe the line between what people can still use in a classic gin cocktail, uh, but something that's really approachable. Um, so when you're uh, nosing it, you should mm -hmm. get a little bit of the jasmine flower in there. It's definitely really floral mm -hmm. on the nose, yeah. And then the main thing that you notice on the palate is going to be uh, a lot of uh, bitter orange peel, that citrusy note. Um, there's coriander in there as well. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the first thing that you get. And then it finishes with a nice green tea finish, which even lends a little bit of sweetness to it for me. The green tea thing. thats that, I never would have thought mm -hmm. of that, but you're absolutely right. Yeah. So what kind of cocktails have you had it in that you're just like, holy shit, this is perfect? Any like good? Lee, I mean... <clears throat> Please visit WC Harlan's and yeah. get uh, their <laughs> Shaw Tower cocktails. Uh, have been absolutely so remarkable. Good. Yeah, not a surprise um, there. Right, not a surprise. And the as, as Eli was saying, uh, one of one of the kind of the core beliefs is if you make a gin, it should be usable in classic gin cocktails. So Blue Pit's done a barrel aged Negroni. Mm. Um, we've done Negronis at Cosima. Uh, gin and tonics, uh, the Baltimore Bartenders Guild for their uh, one of their greeting cocktails did a did a grapefruit gin and tonic, which was oh, absolutely so amazing. Good. Yeah. Um, so we kind of all those core things are great, but uh, alcohol in general, not just our gin, is something to be creative and expressive with, which is it's why we did gin. We can be expressive with a base ingredient, mm -hmm. um, but kind of great bartenders have done great drinks. So we have uh, we've got a cocktail section on our website that has. Uh, Actually, one of our really good friends is our unofficial bartender, and she is a bartender for WC Harland. Um, and we have some like really great high-level cocktails on our website if anybody wants to try something that's awesome um, yeah. and out of the box. But we we firmly believe if you Google gin cocktails, uh, you won't go wrong by pouring Shot Tower in there. It's not going to make them uh, what they shouldn't be. And the name Shot Tower obviously is going back to the history of Baltimore that you were talking about, but how did that come about was that like an aha moment was it something you guys discussed for a long time or we have the you have the entendre which is nice yeah. uh, right obviously shot tower is something that that rolls off the tongue pretty easy but also suggests that you might be consuming an ounce and a half of this stuff <laughs> um it's also a really i mean geometrically it's a really good looking icon I, I don't know every time i drive by that tower and i do as i move to campton i, I do about every day that i'm in town i'm, I'm going by once or twice yeah and it's just it makes it, it good for a good logo gorgeous. too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. So if you're gonna put something on as a logo, man, what what it's just it's simple, it's powerful, it's to the point. It's also completely identifiable as as this Baltimore landmark, and it really is a landmark. It was the tallest building in the country for for like 15 or 16 years in the early 19th century, um, and it's just really cool. Nice. <laughs> so, and it's were you guys surprised at how much it took off, or were you? expecting it to take off like it did like it seemed like the popularity of it just skyrocketed surprised wouldn't be the right word but we were i would say relieved much. yeah <laughs> we sort of like, imagined that it yeah. might do that yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> um but yeah. it must have been so cool and trippy to see it everywhere and hear about it and still still right it's still day to day i think yeah. we all go through this this thing where we see it somewhere we don't expect and then yeah. like it, we have this nice little blushing sensation yeah. uh -huh. so yeah. your friend or your or your, your folks coming to town and you get to take them to a bar and mm -hmm. you that's pretty cool. right. point behind the bar and, and I order did that. Up, order up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. awesome. I took my I took my dad to Colette and he was uh and he was telling me about one of his one of his friends back home. He's like, Oh, you go to dinner with this guy and the chef comes out and says, Thank you for coming, blah blah blah. <laughs> and all of all of five minutes later the chef came out and was like, Max Oh, I'm so man. glad you're here. Or cocktail with your stuff, and I was just that. You're just, like, no big deal. This no happens big all the time. Deal. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool no, about you it. Think it's bad. it's incredibly flattering. Right. None of us are used to it. I don't yeah. think I'll ever be used to it. I think um, if you got used to it, that would be a problem. Yeah, that yeah. might be a problem. Right. I started certainly if I started expecting Expect it, but uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I know that it was really important for you guys to be in the city limits, but that wasn't the easiest route you could have taken. Is that accurate? Well, I think that, I mean, definitely the because of the name, we expected that our, our best sales would be in the city, and right. that, that pretty much has proven to be true. Um, however, you know, it's doing well in kind of all over Maryland um, and into D.C. as well. D.C.'s been picking up a lot for us, which That's is nice. Good. 
Um, That's right, DC. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, I like that. <laughs> they like that industrial Baltimore look. So. Yeah. <laughs> and the, but the, and the distillery um, itself, it was important for you guys to be in the city. Oh yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. Close by. Um, one thing is going to be a problem soon. It's not yet a problem. Like our space is great, right? But but now we're we're a year in. Uh, yeah, happy two anniversary. Two years before. Yeah, yeah thank <laughs> you. Before we come out with our first whiskey, before I bottle our first of that, we're gonna put away so many more barrels, and we're gonna be pretty quickly filling out our bridges here, and and yeah, I have to figure First out what to do. First, your with. seams, yeah. yeah. But if you do move, you are you gonna to want to stay in the city? We'd probably, yes. and we're probably never. So yeah, this well, space so have, yeah. to speak to the city, um, we it was it was really important, and we worked really hard to find the space. To be in, not just in Baltimore city limits uh, for, for namesake, but to be in a residential community. And yeah. uh, me and Eli used to live in Charles Village. I live in Hamden now. I lived with Ian in Hamden. Uh, Eli lives in uh, original yeah. Northwood. So you guys uh, have so all like, been roommates at one time or another? Uh, yeah, we never I never all lived together. together but we <laughs> that's never that's all so funny. I never will. <laughs> <laughs> not going back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we wanted to be... I mean, I, I throw around the term friendly neighborhood, neighborhood distillery as kind of a joke, but we wanted to fill that. Uh, breweries have done it, right? Yeah. I've never seen a distillery do it. Certainly in Baltimore and other places, it's definitely happened. But in Baltimore, there's never been a neighborhood distillery that was really, it was walking distance. It had open doors. You could yeah. come in and hang out. And part of our commitment to being part of the Baltimore scene is not just having the product be part of the Baltimore scene, but having the operation be community-based. Right. Um, so... It's not easy to find a manufactured zoned building uh, in the places that we wanted. There's a couple of them. Uh, this one is one of them, and we were thrilled to uh, to to have this space. Um, but yes, we wanted we wanted people to be able to walk from their house to the distillery. We want to throw community parties. We want the community to know we're here, support the community, and make it a more vibrant place. Um, we are kind of at the at the nexus of Remington, Charles Village, and Hamden. Um, which very central, right mm -hmm. off 83, yeah. which right. is right nice. off of 83. Yeah. So yeah, we're, we're public to the, to the Baltimore tourist scene. Uh, we're easy to get to. Um, but we're also kind of most importantly and always most importantly, we are, we are part of the neighborhood, uh, and we try and uphold that, you know, uphold all the values that you need to be a, you know, a supportive member of the neighborhood. Right. Um, and, and we do our best to do that. And, and I think we, we hopefully do a good job, but, uh, but that's the idea. We wanted we wanted to, yeah, being in the city wasn't just for visibility's sake, but this is our home. Yeah. This is where we want to be, and, and why would we work outside the city? Yeah, we don't want to be here. out of Baltimore. Right, and, right. you know, I mean, a common option would go, you know, would be to go and, like, operate out of, like, an industrial park somewhere. But there's, like, there's no charm in that. There's no, like, you know, inspiration in that. Yeah. So it's kind of an inspiring place to be, uh, to be in the city, to be in this old building. Uh, so that's kind of yeah. And when Nobody doing... is shocked when they walk into a distillery in an industrial park, right? That this exists, yeah. right? Like we still get people who walk in and their their faces light up, wow. and they're just so happy that this wow. is happening. Oh hey, wow! Owen wow. wow. <laughs> no Wilson coming back. <laughs> um, and like when you do, I know you do kind of regular parties at Decline Duval down in Hamden, and it's just nice to be able to say, oh yeah, we're just down the street, rather yeah. than yeah. absolutely, you know, yeah. And farmers markets now, so we've been at the Hamden farmer mar farmers market in Bell's Point, and we just did Waverly, uh, and like yeah, we're right around the corner actually. Like we are really your neighborhood. That's really nice, right nice to tell people. You don't have to be like, okay, get on six ninety five, and then yeah. When you say Baltimore, but you're not really Baltimore. Right. We are. We're, yeah. A Baltimore whiskey company located in Columbia. Yeah. Yeah, that would definitely, and we don't have whiskey. That would right. definitely confuse people. <laughs> Two out of three ain't bad. Yeah. We are a company also. Um, do you guys want to pour the second spirit, yeah. maybe? What are we going to go with next? The barrel gin. Barrel gin is, is next, always number two. Okay. Yeah. Are we going to just down it? Let's just use this. Uh, I mean, I drank on it. Pour. Yeah, pour. <laughs> it didn't go so well for me. Here, I guess. So this is the gin, the barrel aged gin, correct? Indeed. So how long was this aged for? She got the regular gin. Nice. Oh, the color is yeah. uh, quite different. Six to nine months in used dry whiskey barrels. Okay, in used barrels, very cool. And is the proof on this? Still 100. Still 100, okay. So what are some of the main differences? This one's my favorite, so I'll, I'll, I'll jump in and take this one. Sure. Uh, it's tough to say you have a favorite, because they're kind of like all our, our, they're our babies. kids, right? Let's yeah. make the joke. Oh, yeah. Eli, yeah. uh, Eli yeah. made the joke. Come on. Uh, feel free to cut this out. But, uh, <laughs> 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 uh, 
we had a tour in one time, and someone asked the question, "Was what's your favorite one?" Right. And I said, uh, "They're like my children. I abuse them all equally." Um, nice. <laughs> That's such a good answer to such a dumb question. Yeah. I hate that question, and I try to never ask it yeah. because. So that's great that you have something like in your whole yeah. story. Oh, I don't pull it out so unless good. I think the crowd's gonna, you know, enjoy it. That's and they never do. That's staying in. All right, Ian. So what's Okay, the so what what is what makes this great to me? What what makes the spirit just like the category of barrel gin really great to me is that this this is complex on like two planes. Uh, if you drink a lot of whiskey, you end up you end up tasting uh, what oxidation in the barrel can do to something, yeah. and, and that's that's a really interesting kind of complexity where you get these these earthy decay notes, you get lots of barrel tannins, you get you get the vanilla, and, you know, all, all that sort of stuff. Um, it's really good. At the same time, uh, if you drink a bunch of gins, if you if you were to you know have a session where you, you tried five or six different gins back to back, they would be com also completely very deep in complexity. There, you know, some of these have thirty plus botanicals in them. Right. Um, there's a lot of complexity there, but but they operate at sort of on different planes. And, and, and this is one where those two get to marry up together, and so. Barrel gin, I think, is one of the one of the most complex and, and sophisticated things you, you can have. It really is. I mean, it gives you a little bit of this aged, uh, mm -hmm. oxidated, slightly slightly barely aged character without having lost uh, all the botanical from the gin. That, that shows it's up like on the first place. Like best of both worlds, a little bit, right? Certainly, a very cool marriage of the two. Anyways, yeah. Um, it's more to me. It's more subtle on the nose. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, those uh, those you know floral notes are definitely the most volatile compound, mm -hmm. so those are going to dissipate more quickly because of that exchange of oxygen through the barrel. Got it. Um, so that's why they kind of disappear a lot. I mean, they're not totally gone, but they, ever, you know, over time they're, they're going to disappear the fastest. The color's great. I like a lightly aged, um, just takes a really nice straw, pale straw color that I, I think is really beautiful. Yeah, it is really pretty, especially in the sunlight. It's I really cool. A couple of Scotch distillers that I wear that have a light, a light color, even though they're over 15 years old, uh, Lagavulin and Springbank and uh, Lafroy all make whiskeys that they end up really light in color. And there's something to me that's really uh, very sexy about that mm -hmm. is standing up next to lots of really dense bourbons, which, which are also, you know, have their own variety of beautiful. But yeah, yeah, yeah no. It's cool it's... to see that there's like a really, you know, it doesn't just have to be dark. You know, some people equate dark beers with being like better, realer right. beers. But... Right. No, this can be, this can be just as complex and just as good. It doesn't have to be super dark. Mm -hmm. Um, the taste is real. I mean, the, it's really, really nice. It's not as it's not astringent. It's just really mm -hmm. smooth. Um, it's kind of remarkable how much vanilla comes yeah. comes out of the barrel, even in the short aging. Um, the vanilla is a, a really, really it's, uh, yeah. apparent note. It's always fun to back to back uh, the the unaged gin, the, the barrel gin. Um, it tastes like you put vanilla in it. Like it's it absolutely does. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah, <laughs> and, and we don't. Right. We do not do that. Um, no, we don't. We don't do that. We don't add any extra sugar to simulate a longer barrel age to give it more sweetness. Uh, it's a very clean expression of barrel aged gin. Um, you know, barrel aged gin probably originally was a thing where they were just transporting gin from one place to the other, and the things you transport things are, are were wooden barrels, and they right. would pick up a little color uh, and a little bit of flavor, and and that kind of uh, it, it kind of went from there, which is the same reason. Almost everything that got put in a barrel, uh, anything that, that's aged in a barrel now probably started as just moving it from like, one place to the other. out of necessity. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Right. Um, so how would you treat this differently than the, the regular gin, like in a cocktail or drinking it straight? Or, I mean, what kind of flavors would you go with? You can absolutely still still do gin cocktails with it. It's still a very botanical expression of a spirit, uh, which is great, and it's still juniper forward. So, um, so I will kind of stand by our gin statement on that one. But one of the fun things to do with it would be to sub it into whiskey cocktails, mm -hmm. uh, doing old fashions or Manhattans with it. You get, you still get kind of the vanilla caramel thing you expect from a bourbon or rye uh, in the drink, which is kind of important to the to the backbone of the drink. Yeah, the, the reason it was formed, but. You also get a cool botanical version of it. You kind of get um, both the bourbon and the rye because you have the sweet vanilla mm -hmm. and the spice. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think you. I mean, we nice. just used rye whiskey barrels for all of our uh, our gin aging, uh, and I do think you actually still get a little bit of that rye, rye. spice on the nose. Yeah. Um, but doing botanical old fashions and botanical Manhattans um, has been has been awesome, and we've been really excited about that. Um, and so you guys mentioned this. You're about to turn one, which is really exciting. How how do you feel like you guys have evolved in in the first year and what's what's different today than opening day and well um things run much more smoothly yeah of course any kind of startup is gonna have some issues you know and 
although we knew a lot about, I mean, I, you know, I had the, the brewing experience and everything like that. We still had a lot to learn um, in the distilling field. Uh, and also just any new equipment's going to have its own kind of peculiarities. So we've kind of definitely honed in our skills on that. And we, and you know, because no one has made our whiskey specifically before, uh, we now kind of know in any of our spirits really. So now we know what we're looking for in all of our spirits. So I think right. that we're kind of getting to a point where we can start to uh, really discern what we do and don't like from batch to batch and yeah. try to kind of maintain the consistency and, and kind of uh, improve every time. Yeah. I'll also add that uh, as, a, as a, a new startup, small, small business, everybody's going to kind of make mistakes and you do your best to only make them one time. Mm -hmm. uh, so we uh, did our absolute best and tried as hard as we can to make as many mistakes as we could <laughs> right at the beginning. And we, that seems really smart. We did. And, uh, yeah, we, we absolutely did. I mean, we've uh, we've really shored, shored everything up quite a bit, and we're, we're producing on a, on a really comfortable level in terms of the actual production in the distillery now. Uh, we feel really passionate that everything that comes out of the still is being really high level, but, um, I mean, there are people who are genuinely master craftsmen at the craft that we're pursuing so there is never a shortage of things to learn right um so we have hopefully gotten rid of most of the kind of uh uh nuclear option mistakes that mm -hmm. you can make where like the the mistake is oh no there's stuff all over the floor that should be on the other side <laughs> of this production, you know right. um and hopefully we've gone through enough of that to where the main thing we can focus on now is you know, we're making, we're making gin today. Uh, is there anything we can do to make it better than we did the last time? And, uh, and, and knowing always which, pursuing yeah. that. Right. And now just knowing like, you know, part of the whiskey and, and just distilling process is the, the cut process of like, this is when you keep stuff and this is when you get rid of it. So just the more you do it, the more we're, we're finding out our exact notes on what yeah, we do and don't like it. Exactly. And in that same vein, how have you seen the, the spirit scene in Baltimore change in a year? Because it's been a really, it's been an interesting year for, for breweries, for distilleries, for wineries um, in Maryland. How, how has that changed since you guys have been on the scene? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah. I think the guild, you know, for one, the, the Maryland Distillers Guild has really ramped up. Jamie's the best. Yeah, she's great. And so, so like, they've really ramped up their, in, you know, what's going on. And Baltimore is, you know, a hub of food and everything in, in uh, Maryland. And so a lot of the events have been... In Baltimore, but just in, in Maryland in general. Uh, so a lot of like distilling-focused events have happened. And I think that's really going to start pushing the cocktail scene. There's cocktail competitions and things like that. You guys are winning them at like, Southside State. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, that was pretty we cool. We love winning. We love winning things, and we'll be unapologetic for winning things. Uh, but obviously the, uh, the kind of awareness of distilling in Maryland uh, has changed in the last year. We were one of the founding members of the Baltimore, uh, or the Maryland Distillers Guild. So, uh, I mean, we already existed. I think actually our, the day of our first meeting was the day that we got our TTB license. Um, and, uh, that was, that was awesome. So, so we were one of the very founding members of that and, and things have, they've already done great work to change things for, for distillers in, in Baltimore and in Maryland. Um, including being able to sell at farmers markets, being able to sell personally in Montgomery County, uh, kind of uh, this, just kind of myriad of things to make life easier, but distilling law is still is still uh, about ten years behind brewing and, and vineyard law in terms right. of like what you're allowed to do. Um, Everyone's kind of playing catch up because like the vineyards sort of paved the way right. and then the yes. breweries followed. Yeah. Yes, uh, but uh, you know, in terms of the future, in terms of how it's going to change, we we've had announcements. Uh, you know, when we first came up with the idea, started writing our business plan. Kevin Plank, uh, owner of Under Armour, had not announced that he was doing a distillery. Right. So uh, we think that's awesome. It's only going to bring more focus to Baltimore distilling. It's going to uh, bring a, a really world-class branding mm -hmm. uh, company to, to Baltimore distilling like, and Maryland distilling. That kind of marketing is priceless for right. this Absolutely, city. Yeah. Um, absolutely. So uh, we, we think it's awesome that he's doing that and we're happy that somebody uh, with you know pockets much deeper than our own is getting into a business that we're very passionate about to bring a lot of a viability to Maryland distilling. Um, but with that comes this kind of inevitability that uh, if he's buying in, then Maryland distilling it, it's only a matter of time before that's a worldwide brand as Maryland, as a state. And how do you think the, the drinker has changed? Do you think people are a little more <clears throat> open to kind of 
different sort of stuff, a little more sophisticated. People are coming in here with maybe better I've been questions. surprised at how many young uh, young spear stringers we have. I yeah. Certainly Over 21, have, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I, I definitely... Right, parents and their kids. <laughs> toddlers. Uh, <laughs> 16 year old market is just really good Roman, right now. Yeah. I drink uh, I drink beer mostly up until you know 24 25 I got in I drank wine for a little bit after that it was really about 26 or 27 years old that I even started chasing down the world of whiskey I just had some some older friends who were into it and yeah yeah I mean it, it was terrible for a little while I really just kind of couldn't I couldn't stomach it I just think it was powered through I was drinking it the wrong way yeah after yeah. a little bit of powering it through and now you know now I, I want to like lick out the inside of the glass it's so good it's so yeah. decadent and rich um, so I'm surprised at how many how many of our clientele are not are not older gentlemen who, who like a, you know like a stiff dram a uh, but, but there's a ton of young you know, like you know our age our contemporaries are showing up and really are some of our best customers that we get to see in person anyway yeah. so we make it out to the distillery or the farmer's markets. Um, that's, that's pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, I think, and, and also, you know, the whole, like, bar scene is the same idea where, like, I don't know, probably five years ago, how many places could you go and get a variety a of cocktails? A good old-fashioned yeah. I mean, and now you could probably go into a bar and people would not only have an awesome menu, but other people that are at the bar would be asking for, you know, other things. Like, people have yeah. a, a much larger knowledge of cocktails now than they did, you know, a really short time ago. So I think that's a good a good sign for the distillery totally. scene, of course. Um, should we move on to the third third spirit? Absolutely. Yeah. Which is going to be what? The brandy? or yeah. Charles Street. Charles Street. Yeah, we'll um, Here. Here. When it's on the yeah. yeah. So this got written up pretty nationally recently, right? In Playboy. Yeah. So how did that happen? It's my first time in Playboy. <laughs> I've only been in Playgirl before. <laughs> um, you know, we had nothing. It just it just happened. It yeah, just happened. it just happened. Yeah, you have it, no idea how you got on their radar. Shot us an email. They shot us an email yeah. asking okay. us some questions, and you know we went back and forth. Yeah, the guy was just doing a, a story on the most you know unusual spirit in every state, uh, and then we got picked for Maryland. So they must have been doing some research or research. Yeah, I mean Del- Delaware had a scrapple vodka, uh, so <laughs> <laughs> I've all kinds heard of, about that. Yeah. yeah. I, so I wonder, did he like come here and try it, or did you send him a bottle? No, yeah, uh, it, it all happened via email exchange. So uh, it's a national magazine. He's not. He had he did a, a spirit per state. So if he had traveled to each state, that would have been that a really be expensive article. Yeah. Um, so no, he, he shot us an email and was like, hey, I'm writing this article. Tell me about your your brandy. Uh, and it is a unique spirit. So I'll talk you through it a little bit. Sure. Um, it is, at, at its core, uh, it's a mezcal distilled with apples instead of agave fruit. And okay. that's what, uh, when we kind of conceptualized the spirit, what we were shooting for. Uh, mezcal is an unaged smoked fruit brandy made from agave fruit. Uh, and it's, you know, it's a very old, uh, traditional spirit that they make in Mexico. Apple brandy, um, is, uh, can be aged or unaged, but it is, uh, really the original American spirit before they were doing rye whiskey, uh, which was well before bourbon, they were doing, uh, apple brandy. Uh, so we wanted to see it or whether we could kind of combine those two histories and do the most traditional American spirit, apple brandy in the style of a very traditional Mexican spirit. Um, so we ferment on the smoked apple peels and apple cores, the apple pomace of the pressings that we use. Um, we smoke them over a blue pit barbecue uh, after we get the juice and we throw them in the fermentation. We ferment on there and we make a smoked apple cider and then we distill that into a brandy. Um, and we do it traditional, uh, as traditional as our equipment allows, uh, mezcal distillation uh, on the brandy, which means we don't add any water to proof it down to, to bottling proof. Uh, we do it at batch strength. We use the uh, the tails of the run, which is what, what comes out very late in the distillation, uh, to proof down the spirit, which would be the traditional mezcal uh, way to do things. Um, so every batch is a little bit different um, because we don't add any water to kind of even things out. So every, every proof is a little bit different. Um, it's always small batch. Uh, we've never blended a batch before. Um, and it's remarkably similar to a mezcal and, yeah. it, and it kind of shows you how much mezcal is not just uh, an expression of agave but it's actually an expression of uh the the process the process yeah, yeah. It's, it's a it's a process expression and uh we we really reflect a lot of that um in this and it's uh we've gotten really great uh, reactions from you know mezcal bars in dc clavel here in baltimore right. uh, lane harlan thinks this stuff is awesome um yeah. It's, it's really, really cool. I did episode four there with her and, and two bartenders and the history and the, the geography and the yeah. culture behind that. I mean, it's fascinating stuff. Um, 
But I think this this is really cool because if you say brandy to people and then you try this, it like kind of kicks all those notions mm. to the curb. Mm-hmm. It's it's very it's I don't know it's very atypical. It's really interesting. The good deal. I mean, anytime you now, ours is a huge investment. You know, thirty five bucks a bottle. Uh, it's not right. it's not really you're not you know, breaking the bank to, to get a bottle. So if you if you bought something you didn't like, not that big a deal. Yeah. But uh, it it's, it can be a tough sell, right? To go buy something you've never tried before. Yeah. That you don't know what it tastes like. Um, Completely new cool, style. Cool to show up. You know that's why we that's why we do our tastings and, and samplings everywhere. So mm-hmm. you can always come and try it neat. And if you if you really if you love it neat, it's yeah. easy easy call to pick up a bottle. So you guys do um, tastings here at the distillery, right? If you tell people like when and yeah. how to find out about it. Yeah, we're every every Saturday, twelve to four, right now, um, and uh, that's our official time for tours. When we're really all we're doing is tours, so we're having you know more time to dedicate to it. But we also kind of operate with an open door policy. So if you're in the area uh, and the door is open, you're welcome to come in, or you can call ahead of time and, and see if we're around, because it's kind of nice to come in during the week and see see what's going on, uh, watch the still in action or, or something like that. This might be a really cool opportunity, uh, Eli, to talk about the Pachuca, yes. like a little bit of history yeah, okay. of Pachuca, what Pachuca is, and, yeah. and how, and <laughs> the news that we have about Pachuca here. Yeah, so, um, you know, we're always trying to do something interesting, and one of those interesting things that you probably had heard from Lane about the mezcal world is that they do a style called Pachuca, yeah. uh, where they, it's, yeah, a, it's, it's really amazing. interesting and bizarre, I mean, it certainly is like a bizarre spirit in a way, um, where they actually, when they're making, uh, they distill their mezcal, and then they come back and add spices, but they also put a raw chicken or some type of meat into the nice. still with it, and they cook, uh, they, they, you know, they do their last distillation with that meat in the still. Uh, so we thought we should really do that, uh, because wow. we can do whatever we want. Yeah, uh, and there are no rules. <laughs> and the only rules are, uh, you know, you have to get approved by the government, and I just found out that we, we did get approved by the government to do our... Do they have uh, any questions? They had no they questions at all. They were like, why do you want to hang a lamb leg in your still? They did not even ask. And so we're, we uh, we harvested, uh, my friend um, harvested some um, pawpaws. So we're going to put some pawpaws yes. in there, some persimmons hopefully, some black walnuts. So it's kind of a locally focused spirit as well. Um, and then we'll, we'll see what happens. So yeah. is this still going to be under the guise of this spirit or are you going to name it something different? It will not be an apple brandy because apple brandy means the entire spirit is produced from fermented apple juice. Got it. Uh, so it will be a... Apple brandy with natural flavors and ingredients, you know, herbs and spices, or it'll be a flavored apple brandy. And we or, haven't like, decided on the name yet, so we're not sure if it right. will be the Charles Street Pachuga style or, or something, something like that. Right. But it, yeah, we're not sure. But we have officially, yeah. as of this That's week, got the green light yeah. to do some crazy ass shit. Which also just really makes me uh, <laughs> excited because it probably if we can do that, I, was I feel say, like we can probably <laughs> do that. It opens the door for some <laughs> yeah. really weird shit. Like if you can do that. Yeah. And my understanding is the animal thing was sort of like a ritualistic kind of cultural thing, right? Isn't that the... Well, we have to ward off the demons. Yeah. Right, obviously. <laughs> There's a lot of sinning going on, so you've yeah, got to keep your bases covered. Yeah, That's we're not claiming to be um, yeah, we're, we're not claiming to be authentic or anything. We like are, that. yeah. <laughs> this is, uh, strictly speaking, um, uh, yeah, a, something we, we are appropriating this style of spirit, and yeah. we're going to try and make something that's awesome to drink, and we make no other claims about <laughs> about kind of where it fits in the spirit world. It's, it's certainly not spiritual to us. Um, right. It is expressive of our creativity, and that's all we really want it to do. But we're really excited about it. Does Lane know about this? I don't actually I haven't told her. Uh, we told her that we were she working on we it. Were gonna do it. She would yeah. be super psyched to know yeah. you got yes. approved, though. Um, that's awesome. And so speaking of, what kind of what future spirits besides the Pachuga are you guys thinking about that you can tell me about that you you know maybe the next year or so. No, so, yeah, most recently our uh, next upcoming spirit is going to be uh, a more traditional apple brandy uh, that we've been aging. We aged for about seven months in a used rye whiskey barrel, and then we have uh, transferred it over to a used port barrel from Bordy Vineyards. Uh, so that'll be out hopefully in December. Cool. Um, we're just waiting for again label approval on that because those things take a little while. Um, it's a good time of year for like a port aged. Exactly. Thing. Yeah. Exactly. And we've tried it out of the barrel, and it's going to be. Uh, I mean, I don't think we could be any more excited yeah, about it. It's going to be a really awesome cool. apple brandy expression. We have a little um, project where we uh, distilled some Union beer, and then we uh, have we've sweetened it with uh, the wort, uh, which is like mm-hmm. an unfermented beer. Uh, and put that into a used rye barrel as well, and that's been aging for a little while, and so that'll hopefully be out in the winter. What beer did you use? Uh, snow pants. Nice. So that's winter beer. That's that's some let's talk about dark beers. That's yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. absolutely. And it's really interesting to see how beer comes through still. 
because whiskey is distilled beer, but you know, there's obviously other things going on in there as well. Right, right. Um, and then we have, uh, we're working on Amaro's as well. It's kind of nice. a good way to go. Some, you know, there's another kind of like limitless thing. You know, there's it's, like Amaro, it's just, just means, flavor. yeah, it just yeah. means bitter liqueur, basically. Right. So. so it's a great slate to be expressive yeah. on. Yeah. And one of our core things is kind of uh, being expressive, being uh, kind of expressing something that's very subjective. Uh, going back to why we don't do vodka, the best vodka in the world, and there are great vodkas, means essentially it's the most neutral it thing taste possible. Like so uh, we we are we are very focused on being expressive and original and creating value because um, craft distillery is one of the interesting battles you fight. It's not about um, doing it better than the big guys because the big guys do the best spirits the world have ever seen. You know, it's not like beer where you're trying to do something better than Budweiser. Well, yeah, no problem. You know? Right, right. Um, but uh, so you have to you have to kind of figure out how like where is your value? Why are you why are you worth anybody's dollar um, to to get your stuff instead of people who who have existed for a couple hundred years who are still as passionate as you are about creating great spirits? So um, we always look for projects where uh, we can innovate and we can uh, put value in the bottle to where, uh, I mean, it's kind of unquestionable why you would buy it. Like, there, we, don't, we don't want anybody to kind of have that question of, why would I buy this instead of the thing, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. we wanna, we won't always be on kind of equal footing and that's not something you can take lightly and just kind of do whatever you want. You always kind of have to find a way and ask yourself the question of, are we doing something that's worth anybody's money? How are we gonna sell this? Do we wanna sell it because, because it's craft, which we don't wanna do? We want to sell it because it's great, and we want people to buy it because uh, they see that bottle, and that's what they want to put their money into. Um, so let's pour the last spirit, and then we can talk about your upcoming one-year anniversary party because it sounds epic and awesome. Um, I heard from Phil; he he emailed me the the press release. Um, oh, cool. Phil yeah, and Doobies. So it's a lot of cool people coming together for it. Um, so what's this last one? The nineteen oh four. The nineteen oh four ginger apple liqueur. So why did you guys decide to make this? There's actually, um, so, so I, I personally, uh, thought maybe doing a ginger liqueur might be a good idea. People are passionate about the ginger flavor. I thought there wasn't a real go-to, uh, this is the ginger liqueur everybody go after. Like, it just seemed to be like a gap that we wanted to fill, uh, or at least saw an opportunity. This is one of these moments where it started with, started with opportunity, but the further we got into it, the more doing a straight ginger liqueur just never, uh never really got us excited and we, we did a, a bunch of different ways of doing it between macerating and distilling and all this stuff yeah. um and uh <laughs> by the time all this stuff. from when we went to, from when we went to concept of let's see you know let's try and do a ginger liqueur you know break into this fireball fireball market you know see if we can do that um do something easy uh <laughs> by the time that's funny right exactly by the time we came up with something that we actually thought was really good which was just iteration after iteration after iteration and we went from neutral spirit to apple brandy to sweetening it with sugar to sweetening with three different kinds of sugar candy to ginger. doing one yeah candy ginger raw ginger you know just kind of all this different stuff by the time we came up with something we were like what i have in my glass now is a great spirit uh it turned into the absolute <laughs> hardest thing yeah. to make that we do it takes so much work wow. it's such a great spirit we love it um, and technically it's definitely our most technically complicated thing that it we is, do. It's just without like a doubt. trouble, you know, there's just like difficult spots along the way, the whole, the whole process through, um, except for like the very first fermentation and distillation. After right. that, it just gets crazy. You know, we're hand peeling a bunch of ginger to go in it. Uh, and you know, we hours of ginger peeling. Yeah. Your hands are <laughs> I was going to say, damn, you must have like Good calluses Lord. and uh -huh. crazy stuff. Um, and then just like, you know, we're sweetening with apple juice and the whole kind of process of getting... We want to use that same cider that we're, uh, you know, we're making the the um, base spirit out of to right. sweeten it with, but you know that's a cider that's unfiltered, and we want to try and filter as much as, as possible to have a clear spirit. So there's all it's a lot of little challenges along the way that we'll get better and better at as we go, of course. But lots of trial and error. Yeah. This one probably. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's uh, but um, as you sip it, um, it has really come out to be a a very unique, uh, not a clone of anything else on the shelf. Like this is um. A spirit that deserves to to be out there. I mean, yeah. I think I think there's a place for this. It's a, it's a new color for people to paint with in cocktails. Um, it's great, neat, 
we've seen an absurd jump in sale when it comes to winter. Um, winter because, time? Yeah, because yeah. we, I mean, hot toddies, hot tea, mold oh, cider, all that stuff so is just, good in a hot toddy. it's absurdly it's easy crazy. to make something that just tastes so good. So good. <laughs> so just warm it up a little bit, get the fire going. No yeah. problem. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and so we are, we ended up with this other thing. And I think that would make people appreciate it, though, if they see it on the shelf and realize, oh, shit, like, they're hand-peeling ginger. They are, like, killing themselves to make this product. I think that... We almost called it Killing Ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> we look oh. cool. And wait, where's, um, speaking of the name, where's 1904 from? Yeah. There's Great Baltimore Fire at 1904. Right, right, Great, right. great. here's the greatest <laughs> the fire we've ever had. It's the best one. It's a real tremendous fire. People <laughs> tell me that that fire... The best the fire reviews, they've ever seen. You won't even believe the reviews of that fire. My gosh. Um, no, it's uh, so it's the uh, all of our stuff is obviously Baltimore branded, right. um, and the kind of the the short version is uh, that's a very important year in Baltimore history. There's a tiny little blurb on the back of the bottle that speaks to it a little bit, uh, where Baltimore kind of you know came back from the, what was essentially the entire city's destruction um, to you know be better than it was before. It just kind of it, it came back and rebuilt itself. Yeah. Um, and a number is a great name for a liqueur. It is. You know, it, it does roll off the tongue. You and call it liqueur eighty one. That would be lovely. Yeah. Nineteen oh four. Great. You know, you call it twenty two twenty four, and uh, that's a great yeah, name for liqueur. A lot of competitors are taking notes right now. Yeah, like, that's good stuff. <laughs> Find Genius. a number, you guys. Yeah. And it, it's interesting that it's named after you know, kind of this this dark time, and it was such a struggle for you guys to make it too. It's kind of an interesting symbol of sure. Yeah, My hands burning after burning. You know, you feel twenty pounds of ginger. Your hands are burning. Yeah. 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 Things are on fire. Um, so your your party is coming up. Um, if you guys can just tell people the details about that and and you know what's what's good. I'll take point on this one. Uh, the one year anniversary party. We are uh, beside ourselves to turn one year old. That means we are uh, more successful than fifty percent of small businesses. Wow. Uh, if I am to believe hearsay that you read everywhere uh, and stuff that yeah, 50% small businesses especially businesses in the food and beverage industry yeah. I think. Yeah. right so certainly restaurants and stuff yeah. we consider ourselves a manufacturing plant um, that being said I, I can't imagine that those open on on tight budgets very often so <laughs> we feel really good about making it a year uh, our whiskey is uh, creeping up towards a year as well so like we feel really good that our, our kind of uh, flagship product is, has taken this journey with us uh, but next weekend, uh, in our parking lot and in the distillery as well, uh, we will be doing our one-year anniversary party. Uh, Doobies is catering it. Uh, Doobies uh, and Sugarvale, the bar, which is one entity. Uh, but they will be uh, serving food out here. They'll be making and serving food in their parking lot. We're going to have music. Um, and and Sugarvale is also going to be uh, doing cocktails with all of our spirits. Awesome. Um, it's from 5 to 9 on Saturday. 5 to 9 five on to Saturday, nine. November 5th. Will there be steamed buns? There will. Okay. <laughs> I feel like yes. when that's you hear doobies, that's always uh, like Yeah, there's going to be pork buns. Uh, they're going to be awesome. We're, we're excited to pair with them. Sugarvale has been uh, really great in supporting us. They've done cocktail nights for us. Uh, yeah. We've done a lot of events down there. They've got uh, bartenders that are some of the best in the city. Um, and in general, it should be a really good time. Uh, the first parking lot event we've ever had was last Saturday, which was the end of Bike Party. Oh, cool. We had about a thousand people out here, and I don't expect our one-year anniversary party to pull quite that <laughs> amount of weight, but it should be a really good time. Um, and we're excited. We're excited to start using our space a little bit more publicly and bringing people here. And uh, it's been a really good year uh, to to grow our brand awareness in terms of Baltimore. But even every weekend, we get people in here who drove by and they come in and they're like, what is this? And we're like, Baltimore Working Company, how'd you hear of us? And they're like, we haven't. You know, like that's, yeah. that's uh, an answer that we still get uh, quite a bit. So we're excited about um, still fighting that battle and, and getting people to hear about us. That's cool. And if people want tickets, is that through your website, Facebook? It's free. No tickets. As are free. almost everything we do. Um, awesome. Speaking of events, I may as well plug this and yeah. feel free to cut it out of the final version. No, plug away. Um, first Thursday of every month we do Gin and Jokes, which is... Uh, undeniably the best comedy night in Baltimore Ooh. that recurs. It Bold is, uh, it's, I'm not even sure it's a bold statement, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it is, it is a, it's always really high level. The, the concept is that we really, I mean, that is the concept. We want to do the best comedy night in Baltimore. Comedy, uh, does not happen as much here as, uh, it should. Um, yeah. so it, it's great. And that's five bucks, which is the most we've ever charged for anything minus one, uh, fancy event at Agio. Um, 
Shout out to Umar Khan for for crushing that one. Umar he, Khan he hosts, uh, kills all he the hosts it. He books it. Um, awesome. he, he's a great partner to work with. Uh, so Jen and Joe's first Thursday in the basement of Joe Squared on North Ave. Uh, third Thursday every month is uh, Punk Night at Auto Bar, where we uh, pick a year in punk history and play I deep cuts. I need to cuts. come to that. How have please, I not heard about this? I don't know, but please come <laughs> populate Punk Night. It's Holy a, it's a lovely. It's, and all it is is a night where they play punk music from a, a one given year. Upstairs. Upstairs. Yeah. Uh, Quincy, uh, DJ, uh, Uncle Quincy, I guess would be his DJ name. Uh, Uncle Quincy plays plays the tunes, and he is uh, probably the best music historian I've ever met in my entire life. He knows all the stuff, uh, and all then the things. all the things. And yeah. last Saturday of every month, which was last Saturday, which is uh, the explanation for my hangover, we do uh, <laughs> the a recurring dance party at uh, Decline Bell, which was named uh, by City Paper as the best recurring dance party in the city. Uh, it's always costume themed. Uh, last night was our masquerade ball. We did uh, James Bond versus. No, we did Bond Girls versus Cowboys the month before. Think, um, is that the one I went to? I think I saw some Cowboys. Cowboys. That sounds right. It's a little blurry. But. And every every last Saturday of the month we do that, and that's always a great dance party. Um, but one of our one also like not only in product but in but in company sponsorship, we also that's part of giving back to the scene. We want to kind of create right. things for people to be social at uh, and have a good time at. So uh, all those things are important, and then. Uh, Saturday, November 5th, first Saturday in November, we're going to do our one-year anniversary party in our parking lot. It's going to be awesome. Well, again, congratulations on one year. It's a huge deal, um, and you guys clearly are making really good products. Um, and I know you can be found in pretty much <clears throat> any like crafty sort of liquor store. Almost all of them, sure, okay. and hopefully uh, more and more in the non Yeah, and we, uh, for a while we had, like, you can find us here on our website. I think we've got that. We'll probably get that back uh, up pretty soon because we've got it under a little bit more control now. Easy way to update that. So uh, hopefully on our website you'll be able to find awesome. some other, you know, all the locations around the state and, and Delaware yeah. and Washington, D.C. and everything. And last shout out of Vensa, every Saturday from noon to four for four hours, one of us three is going to be here at the distillery talking to people, showing people around, doing tastings of our spirits and selling bottles. We do sell bottles here on site. Uh, we think our distillery tour is pretty rad. We let people stick their heads in our equipment mm. and you know, can watch our fermentation in our open vessels. Uh, it's very hands-on. Um, we, we really try and take away the, the glass wall. You know, it's not a through the looking glass kind of a tour. So please come visit us on Saturdays. Uh, it's lonely when you don't. <laughs> and it's a really you. cool space. I mean, it's not, it's not glitzy. It's not fancy, but it feels like, it feels like you guys, it feels really Gritty and raw, and like you really can tell that this is where it happens, and like you said, you get which is the idea. Yeah, so it's you're the only secret place in the place, really. It's all open. It's like the office isn't the greatest. (laughs) (laughs) It's the quietest, so it makes sense. But but no, you have this beautiful mural out there. I mean, I think people would be surprised walking in here. It's it's a pretty cool, which we love, cool place. Yeah. Well, thank you guys. Thank you for doing the podcast, especially Max, who is hungover. I think he gets the. A for effort award today. Um, I'm sure that he's the most hungover. Oh yeah, wow. that's the yeah. crazy thing to say. Do you think you take yeah. the cake? Uh, wow. Actually, okay. Wow. So I will. I will vouch for myself for being the most hungover when I woke up, but I got drunk at brunch. Oh. And we had a little bit during the podcast, so it always helps. Just ride it out. <laughs> well, thank you guys. I really appreciate thank it. Thank you. Yeah.